Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Passion Business Podcast, the podcast for free spirits with a big idea who want to turn their passion into a business. I'm Anke Herman and I'm your host. My guest today has been an internet marketer since 2006. His focus these days is on helping people grow their business by using social media to build a community. Because in order to sell your products, you need to have somebody to sell them to. Being quite the introvert, he's had to overcome his fears on a number of occasions in order to create the life he has now. Meet, on the other side of fear, Kim Willis. Hello and welcome, Kim. I'm very excited to have you here. Uh, hi, Yankee. Thanks very much for the, uh, for the invite and the opportunity. So I'm really um, curious to hear from you because you've got, you know, I know you've got an interesting story to share. So sh let's start with um, the good old question. Where in the world are you and what do you do? What's your business? Okay, uh, well, right now I'm in uh, a city called Phnom Penh, which is in uh, a country called Cambodia, which is sandwiched between uh, Vietnam on one side and, and Thailand on the other. So it's uh, in the middle there. And, uh, yeah, a tortuous history of uh, Cambodia. I find it endlessly fascinating. That's why I continue to stay here. So um, how long have you been there? Because you're not from there, as one can hear. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm an Australian and, uh, you know, I decided to uh, do the digital nomad thing. Uh, when was that? In 2013. So I've, I've already been an online marketer, which is basically what I do for a buck. Um, I'd already been an online marketer for uh, seven, seven years in 2013. Um, I've done pretty well. And I uh, also had a, a life event that um, kind of, um, you know, galvanised my, my thoughts or galvanised me into action in that uh, my wife and my mother died and uh, my sons left home and they told me that they were going to uh, move over to Asia. So, you know, I thought, well, I'm not going to get left behind. <laughs> you know, I've got a bucket list here of different places I want to visit experience and so on so I thought that now is my chance so that's what I did jumped on a plane in uh, November 2013 and I've been exploring uh, different cultures in Asia but also I've done side trips to you know, mm. the US Mexico etc and uh, next year I'm planning a, a trip to uh, Europe uh, which will mainly I'll be using France as the base yeah yeah that's I'm sorry to hear about your mom and your wife like that. It's such a, you know, such such a deep, like an event that really goes deep, that really, I think, sort of uproots everything. And, yeah, so how how did you get into digital marketing when it was just sort of, I mean, it almost sounds like, you got in like right at the at, in the early days, didn't you? Um, wasn't that it? It was two thousand six. Uh, I know that there. I know some people um, who'd be who got there started seven years before, just mm. just before two thousand nineteen ninety nine. I can think of one guy who's now very much a guru, 
who got started in 1999. So, uh, but but yeah, I mean, it was still relatively. Um, it was it was unsophisticated uh, compared to what it's like now. Mm. So, in some respects, it was easier back then. But uh, I don't think the opportunities are as great as they are now. So there was less competition back then, more competition now, but there are a lot more offered opportunities, uh, in my opinion, anyway. So, uh, but yeah, I got started in 2006 and just as part-time because I had a, a traditional high street uh, type business uh, that was uh, definitely failing and that was the reason why I decided to look at the, <laughs> the, the um, you know, the online uh, thing and I thought, well, I find something that I can do part-time and mm. uh, let it build up and, and maybe, um, well, I, I was hoping that within a few months I'd be able to create a full-time income. It's a bit ambitious. It was a bit ambitious, but uh, I thought, well, my goal was uh, eight to 10000 a month within uh, 90 days. That was uh, my income goal. Um, with the benefit of hindsight, I say, well, uh, that, was very, that was overly ambitious. That was a ridiculous goal uh, because the online world generally is not, it's not, it's not a get-rich-quick thing as a rule. Mm. But, um, but anyway, I got started and I just started doing it uh, part-time in the evenings. I'd, I'd get home from the office and uh, have something to eat and then lock myself in my uh, little study and um, I'd start doing this stuff that you know, people were teaching me. And that was it. That got started part-time. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because a lot of people sort of jump in, you know, sort of full on and then it's like, oh, you know, I need to make you know, whatever X amount in three months because otherwise the lights get cut off, you know? So I think that to keep the day job or like, you know, to have this part-time job, I think it's actually um, a smart way of going about it. So what's your, what's your career originally? Like when you, when, you know, finished school, like what was your first step into the, into the professional world? What's your background? Um, I, I, da I, I didn't, I, I dabbled with, I don't know, my mother, my mother said that she thought, so I had, I suffered from chronic uh, lack of confidence, mm. right? Um, as, an, as a teenager, I guess a lot of teenagers are a bit like that, but uh, I was particularly bad. Mm. And um, my mother's very much a contrarian. And uh, she said, well, sometimes you've got to do the thing that scares yeah. you the most. Oh. And, uh, you know, people fear is, is probably uh, an issue. And uh, you might want to think about trying your hand at sales. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. I thought, okay. She's the kind right. of person who would throw you into the pool when you have a fear of water. Yeah, because she, she, she worked in an office. She worked for a Japanese uh, company. This was in Sydney, Australia. Mm. And uh, she worked for a Japanese uh, trading company, Marabini Aida. And uh, they, um, she, she was um, an uh, office support type person, secretarial type person. But she seemed to be quite fascinated with the salespeople that worked there. Mm. Um, Australian salespeople working for a Japanese company. And um, she used to come home from work and tell me some of the stories. And the most interesting people seem to be the salespeople mm. uh, from her point of view. And I bought into that whole, whole line of thinking. And, and so uh, um, 
so when she, uh, you know, when she mentioned that, uh, when she sort of said that you might want to look at doing some sales work or something like that, it wasn't in a, in a kind of prescriptive way because it was just more of a suggestion, helpful suggestion more than anything. Mm. Uh, when she said that, I was probably more open to accepting it because of all the stories that she'd told me previously. Yeah. Uh, funny stories about sales reps there, a lot of them were characters. Some of them drank too much, of course. And um, they, uh, uh, sorry, it, was, it sounded a little bit more interesting and palatable. And, and uh, the, the thought of me um, doing, you know, I, I didn't have any interest in, in higher education and certainly didn't have much interest in uh, working in an, a traditional office environment. So it seemed appealing and before long um, I started looking in the newspaper and then I found something and it was in the life insurance industry. So um, at age 19 I, I um, accepted a position there and did the training and, and you know, had a manager who helped me take me out into the field and he helped me make my first sale. So that's how I got started. Wow. Wow. That's fascinating. It's like, I was like, well, God, that's tough love, isn't it? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. yeah. So how, how, how yeah, did yeah. that play? What was the experience? Like, well, I mean, um, what, what, was your mom right in the sense that, yeah. you know, once you threw yourself in that you actually realized, well, actually, you know, I'm doing fine. Yeah. I, uh, I wasn't, um, I, I, I made sales uh, quite quickly. Once I saw my sales manager make the first sale for me, I was then able to go out and make some myself without any uh, external help. And um, I found uh, I was working with what we call a warm market, people that already knew me. Uh, some of them were old friends from school and so on. That They're into their first job and they had an income so they could afford to buy some kind of um, insurance protection. So um, I found that the first 12 months was, was challenging in some ways, mm. but uh, rewarding in, in other ways because um, I, got, um, I created a full-time income. Uh, it was commission only. Uh, I created a full-time income out of nothing, out of thin air, basically. Mm. And uh, the second year was more challenging because I ran out of my warm market and then oh, I was yeah. down to, you know, uh, talking to strangers and all the rest of it. And that's, you know, I... I was chronically shy, but but the first uh, the twelve that first year experience definitely helped to bring me out of my shell uh, mm. in a major way, and uh, it taught it helped it helped me to learn how to project, right? Um, how to lose my flat monotone uh, way of speak Australian way of speaking, which is typically very monotone. Mm. Right? How you going? It's good to know you're here, mate. That's how I used to be. Uh, slow too. Now I speak fast and uh, I, learned, I, learned, I actually, I ended up a, a few years later, I, I wanted to advance my, my, um, my skill level on a, on a communication side of things. I, I paid for a, um, a training course called the uh, Max Rowley School of Radio and he was a radio announcer in Sydney, oh. but he also, on the side, he ran this school for budding uh, radio announcers and he taught me, he taught me how to, uh, with him, I, I, I definitely went to the next level. And so he, he taught me how to, you know, become more proficient at, at, at um, creating interest with my voice, uh, more highs and lows and pregnant pauses and dramatic flourishes and all the rest of it. So, mm. yeah, it's all, it's all been good stuff, but uh, not without it, at its challenges along the way. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. But I can also see how that early training and that, that original background would have been really helpful when it 
yeah. came to starting your, your, you know, an online business. How was it different from selling, you know, insurance and selling things sort of in person as opposed to online? How or yeah. is it is it different? Well, or? Uh, yeah, there, there is a difference, uh, definitely. I mean, it's, it, it always comes back to communication skills, in my opinion, but, but uh, no doubt about it, the, the difference. Now, that, the first thing that I joined as an online marketer in 2006 was an affiliate program. So I wasn't developing my own products, training products or whatever. No, I, was, I thought, I don't want to create products. I, I just want to market someone else's products as an affiliate. Hmm. That seems like a good idea. I make the sale. I get a commission. Beautiful. I can move on to the next, uh, you know, the next uh, customer or potential customer. But uh, the way it worked, it was kind of like a hybrid. So uh, my, I had a coach and, and she taught me how to generate leads online and that was using paid advertising. Okay. It was Google AdWords, mm-hmm. right? And so she helped me set up my account and helped me create my first ads and all the rest of it. And, uh, yeah. Beautiful thing because within in uh, 24 hours I had my first leads and that was my biggest uh, concern that mm. would I be able to generate leads online? I knew how to generate leads offline in the traditional world of business, but um, had no clue how to do it online. So that was, you know, that was my that was definitely my big concern, and um, that was a, definitely a point of stress. But the stress was greatly relieved when, as I said, 24 hours later. I got some notifications in my email inbox that, you know, uh, three or four or five, not, not a huge number, but, mm. but uh, maybe, uh, I think it was closer to 10, um, 10 leads in my inbox. Now, I said it was a hybrid. The reason why it was a hybrid is because we didn't just, we generated the lead online, but we had to convert them offline, mm. right? So they'd make an inquiry by going to a capture page, filling out a form, and including their phone number. Oh, okay. So my goal, my, my, um, my task mm. was to call them. Okay, so that's an offline activity, mm. right? So it's a ba- it was the balance between the two. But the leads were definitely generated online. The product was a digital training product, and that was delivered online. So it was, all of that part was online, but the conversion part revolved around us talking to somebody. Mm. Okay? Now, although I had... Um, uh, through my years of experience in the insurance industry, I developed good communication skills. But here's the kicker, um, or here's the problem. For years, I had not picked up the phone. The reason being is that I got married and my, and my wife became a top insurance uh, sales lady in her own right. And um, she was brilliant on the phone, uh, making appointments and all the rest of it. So I stopped doing it. And I got myself into a bit of a funk where I just developed a pathological phobia about the phone. It's crazy. Um, and uh, so when the online lady, the coach, the online, told me that you had to phone the leads, you just cannot, it was a bigger ticket product, right? Mm. Um, you had to phone the leads. Uh, well, boy, I had had uh, fear coursing through my veins big time mm. <laughs> because I had um, willingly picked up the phone and dialed somebody uh, for many, many years because my wife was doing all of that yeah. stuff for me and I sort of the introverted side of my personality came out over those years and, and consequently I had I developed this, this kind of phobia 
about the phone. I've also got a phobia about heights and spiders and all sorts <laughs> of other weird things. But um, so a uh, bit of a nutcase, you might say. But the the um, but anyway, at the end of it, I just thought, right, uh, I, I cannot be uh, beholden to this fear any longer. Mm. I'm going to sign on. I paid ten thousand dollars to get into this thing, this program. I paid my money, so now it was do or die. There was no yeah. turning back, right? And uh, this was in 2006 when 10000 was a reasonable amount of money. And uh, so um, I started, started making the calls and I felt terribly uncomfortable for the first uh, week or so. And then uh, after that, just something clicked in my brain and I started to enjoy it. And one thing led to another and then um, within a few weeks, I was making money. So... That was it. So anybody that has a fear, like, okay, I've still got a fear of heights. But um, I also had a fear of public speaking, and I, I kicked that one in the butt as well. So anyone has a fear about, you know, talking to people, uh, something like that, anything to do with people, um, I'm here to tell you that you can overcome it. You can overcome it because if I can do it, a, a bit of a nut job like me can overcome it. Um, I reckon anybody can. Mm. But I just there seems to be a pattern there, doesn't it? You know, there's some fear and then for some reason, there's some trigger that's like, I'm going to go for it anyway. And then all of a sudden you yeah. realize, well, actually, you know, I can do it and I can even be good at it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, I think um, I probably became, well, I, I definitely became overly dependent on my wife who, who became a sales superstar in her own right. So she was the one that was making all the calls and, and she tended to uh, kind of mother me, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I thought, okay, well, I'll take the line of least resistance and she wants mm-hmm. to make the calls, so she can make the calls. I was happy to talk to people face-to-face, go out on appointments. This is in the insurance industry. Um, but, uh, you know, it became uncomfortable using the phone, so um, I stopped using it. So I, I lost that. I lost my mojo, but... With the online opportunity, it was all mine. She wasn't involved at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was, you know, it was me. It was up. If it's, if it's to be, it's up to me. It was that kind of a situation. And I just, I'd already uh, overcome the problem with public speaking years before. So I, I could draw on that experience. That, mm. you know, I, I had, I'd make, I'd get invited to give public talks quite a lot because of my extensive marketing background in the offline world. And um, I turned them down. And to me, anything more than three people in a room, that's, a, that's an audience and that's a crowd and that's scary. Not having so, that. So, uh, pardon? I'm not having that. <laughs> so how did you get over that? Like, you, did you do the same old thing? Oh, you know, I'm sick of being... Yeah, same, same thing. I thought, I thought um, this is crazy. I'm letting fear rule my life and I'm not putting up with it anymore. And I'm going to pick this one. I'll start with this one. Um, I still had the phone fear at that point. But uh, I'm, you know, and I had an invitation from a guy called Peter Sun, lived on the Gold Coast in Australia. And he wanted to do a, a joint thing with me. And he was a marketing, bit of a marketing guru. And uh, he, he wanted to talk about his thing. And then he, he knew how good I was in, in my area. And uh, we, you know, he wanted to do a joint bill with me, a joint ticket, right? And I didn't tell him that I'd never given a public talk before. So, so uh, in the end, I just I decided, oh, well, look, I, I can't put off these invitations anymore. I'm not going to make any more excuses that, oh, I think I've got uh, 
uh, you know, think of, um, uh, I've got something happening in uh, Moscow uh, on that date. Sorry, I can't make it. Yeah. I've never been to Moscow in my life. I don't particularly want to go there, but uh, I have all these crazy excuses why I couldn't accept the invitation. But finally, I did accept Peter Sun's invitation. And on the, uh, on the day, I, um, I fronted up. It was a, we hired a hotel room, a rather large room, and we got all these accountants to come to this. Um, it was a marketing morning, right? Mm. We included lunch. It was quite expensive for us to put on. And so we had a room full of accountants, uh, packed to the rafters it was, and so I gave the first talk and then Peter, the idea was Peter give the second talk. I gave the first talk and I completely died. It was, it was terrible. It was embarrassing. It was so bad that the back row of people walked out on me. So um, <laughs> uh, fortunately, Peter Thun uh, saved the day because when he came on to give his talk, he was able to revive the, uh, the flagging uh, troops of accountants and uh, they, they thought it was, it was pretty good. But after that, I said to my wife, I said, that's it. I've given my go at uh, public speaking. I'll never, ever do it again. <laughs> Fateful words. But uh, amazingly, three weeks later, I accepted another invitation. And I was a little bit better. I was quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. And um, then just, you know, got better and better. And I don't know, 100, 200 talks later, I thought, I think I became quite good at it. So, yeah. so, so I knocked that one over. And then so the next, the next, the next, uh, taxi off the rank was the uh, was the phone thing and so there you have it uh, as for the fear of heights and spiders well um i figure i don't need to overcome the fear of heights who cares um it's it's not going to make that much difference and as far as spiders goes well um i learned to live with them yeah Coming as from long as you're not in Aust- i was just thinking as long as you're not in australia you'll be fine <laughs> but yeah the funny thing is that in there i'm in the i've been in the tropics for, uh, well, since 2013, as I said. And uh, I don't see anywhere near as many st- spiders in, in Asia as I do in Australia. Australia's got unbelievable yeah. array, variety of creepy crawlies. And, and sometimes they'd get into the house, but um, we had a procedure. We didn't kill them. We, we had a procedure and we, we I, basically the procedure was I'd get my kids to, um, you know, use a little broom <laughs> and, and kind of nudge them out yeah. of the house, right? And that was it for another month or two until another one snuck in. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Um, and I remember, like, I lived in Sydney for five years, so I rem- I know uh, I what I remember most about it was that thing, like these little things, like you'd never leave shoes outside, or at least yeah, right. you'd never step into them, just like that. <laughs> never so, step into yeah, them. Yeah. So yeah, actually, I, like I still. That's right. That's interesting because I still have that fear today. <laughs> Even though there are no spot, I haven't seen any spiders. Um, I actually I saw one in the mm. last uh, the last six years. I saw one, and he bit my finger, and uh, it was in the bath uh, in the bath area, and he bit my finger, caused a bit of pain. That was it. But um, but even now, to this day, after living in Asia where there are hardly there seems to be hardly any spiders. As I say, I've only seen one in six years. Um, I still check my shoes before I go outside, right? So, um, yeah, old habits die hard. But Australia is bad for... Yeah, and I mean, it's, all, it, it's got all these different, you know, creepy crawlies, but then also always the deadliest of all there are around. Oh, yeah, you know, the worst. Like nine out of the ten deadliest spiders and whatever. Yeah. And Snakes, <laughs> that's another yeah, one. exactly. Yeah, it's always... I, in uh, the house that we, when I first got married, the house that we bought, was 
um, it had a basement, but unfortunately the basement would go underwater during the rainy season, which happened Ooh. every, you know, February, January, February, March, that type of thing. And it would go underwater. And I remember one day I, I go down there into the basement and there was this freaking snake swimming around in the water <laughs> in my basement. Where my wine was and everything. Oh my God. So what did I do? Big brave me. I ran upstairs and I said, Sandra, 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 there's a snake in the basement. <laughs> so she sorted it out. Oh, yeah. But I think and, ama- and amazingly, she didn't kill it. She, no. She found, well, we found a way. I, I did help. I'm not that yeah. much of a coward. Yep. <laughs> yeah, but really, there's something, you know, there's all these examples that really point to how kind of all the good things are on the other side of fear, aren't they? You know, all the growth, all the yeah. learning seems to be on the other side of fear. It's always about overcoming that yeah. thing that, you know, yeah. doesn't seem Actually, possible at um, the moment. that could be a great title for this podcast, mm-hmm. On the Other mm-hmm. Side of Fear. Something I like think that. so, yeah. Oh, no. I was thinking yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's, we've been coming at it from so many different angles and it's always that... Um, yeah. That, um, I mean, I, I'm happy to give marketing tips and all the rest of it, but the reality is that uh, most people never take action on what they learn. Yeah, and I one of the key that. reasons for that is fear. The fear is the thing that holds most people back. And uh, unless you can confront the fear and move forward regardless, mm-hmm. um, well, next year is going to be exactly the same as this year. And the year after will be exactly the same as this year and so on. Nothing is ever going to change. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's, it's, it's so easy to get caught in that spiral or what if this happened? What if that happens? What, what if whatever so-and-so thinks or a lot of things, what, what will people think? And, you know, there's a lot of, and you can run around in that, in that circle, like biting your own tail, basically, and never move forward and never actually take the step that might prove that you're actually wrong with that assumption. Yeah, exactly. Now, I, I think um, sometimes I think about an alternative scenario, and that is that what if I didn't take on board that opportunity mm. in 2006 to become an online marketer and I succumb to that fear and I let the fear win once again? My life would have changed. It would have been completely different to the one that I have now. I doubt very much that I would have been able to uh, join the ranks of uh, digital marketers and, uh, sorry, of, um, you know, uh, digital nomads and, and, and travel and explore the world and, and do all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't have been able to do that because I, I would not have been, I would not have made money as an online marketer. And um, I don't know what I would have ended up doing, but I probably would have found something, but I, I doubt that it would have been online marketing. And, um, so, uh, so yeah, it's, we have choices and we, we open one door and we travel down the pathway on the other side of that door or we open the other and we travel down that pathway. Um, you know, one pathway can lead us to a better place. Perhaps the other pathway uh, doesn't. That's true. And I think the, and the thing is we'll never know, you know, and that's no. okay. And I think there's often, like, you can easily get into this oh well you know that making a decision that's something that i see a lot as well that people struggle to make a decision 
you know, and then they're kind of like, well, kind of go this way, but then what if the other way is better? And, you know, at some point you just have to just kind of like, okay, you go this way and you'll never find out whether the other way would have been better or easier or, 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 you know, like, no, you have to just pick one because otherwise you'll never know. And you just stay where you are. That's right. And, and if you, if you do succumb to your fear, you, you weaken yourself and you make yourself more um, susceptible to all sorts of other problems that can, can flow from the, the, those decisions that we make mm. in, the, in the face of fear. Um, we become weaker and less resilient people. And we probably, you know, we, there's more self-loathing. Because we know that the fear won and we didn't. And that is not a recipe for, um, you know, healthy self-esteem. Yeah. Is it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, and it's that kind of, I often talk about Bronnie Ware and she's Australian. uh, Bronnie Ware's book, the the top five regrets of the dying and like she was a nurse and she spoke to a lot of people in their, in their last, you know, days and weeks and, and basically wrote a book with her findings. And she asked people what they regretted when they were coming to the end of their lives. And number one was not having gone for their dreams, not having fully lived, not having taken advantage of opportunities, having just sort of like, you know, to come to fear that's what people regret at the end yeah very much so yeah that's right mm. i've actually read that type of thing before yeah about that yeah so coming also to the end of the year like what's next for you what have you got on the horizon um i was going to say more of the same but not quite there's i've um I'm stepping up certain uh, strategies that I've been tinkering with uh, this year. Um, now I'm I'm stepping them up, so I'm I'm definitely uh, pumping up my uh, my community building activities, uh, which often revolve around my Facebook group and that type of thing. I, um, I didn't start out as a social media marketer in 2006, but the last few years, the last three years, particularly, I've I've um, embraced social media in a, in a more um, aggressive way, mm. and so I'm now moving. I want to move to the to the next level. I want to um, help uh, a lot of. I want to help more people create a good income for themselves by building online communities and then monetizing them which to me is the way to go. If, you, if you're using social media platforms, it's about communities. It's about building warm audiences and then figuring out how to monetize them, turn them into income. But it starts with the tribe building. It starts with the audience Absolutely. building. That's where it starts. And I want to turn more people. I've turned, I've, you know, I've helped. Uh, probably hundreds up until now, but I want to help tens of thousands of people. I want to turn them on to this message that um, 
revolves around the idea of, you know, building online communities and then turning them into income. And um, you can change your life if you, if you go down that pathway and you do it properly. So I, I just want to, yeah, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm just stepping everything up at the moment. And I know it's not, you know, only a, a week away from Christmas um, and I will be taking time out because I need to, but, but, you know, there's never a right or a wrong way to, uh, never a right or a wrong time to start a new exciting project. You know, Absolutely. Some people might say, oh, well, you should have started, why don't you wait till the new year before you started this new, you know, step-up program? No, it feels good to do it now, so I'm going to start now. And if, if I lose a week because of Christmas, etc., no problem. Yeah. I'll, I'll be at a better place in the new year than I am now anyway. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So where can people go and find out about what you're up to and find about out about more about you and the program and the tribe builders and the podcast and all of that. Well, you, you can, uh, people, if, if you're in the online space and, and you want to become better at it, uh, you can join my group, tribe builder community. That's a Facebook group. Um, or, or maybe you should do both. Uh, you can just reach out to me on, on Facebook, Kim Willis and um, friend me and, you know, I can direct you to the group anywhere. I can give you the link or whatever. So, um, and then you can join the group, see what's going on there. It's uh, it's not a huge group. It's got about 1,400 members or so. Um, but it's quite a vibrant group. We've got more than half of the members are active in one form or another. So uh, if you know anything about Facebook groups, yeah. you know. No, that it's definitely a great group to be in. Number. Like I'm, I'm in the group, so I know. <laughs> It's a, it's yeah. a great group to join. So definitely. Yeah. Well, well, thank you so much. It was awesome talking to you and there's so much gold in there. And I think that, you know, on the other side of fear, it's definitely, it's definitely. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds like a perfect heading. Yeah. I don't want to put words into your mouth there. No, no, no. But that's <laughs> it's, it just, yeah. it's spot on. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> and, uh, I look forward to sharing this uh, with my, uh, my crowd uh, because uh, I think some of them need it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much. And I'll speak to you again soon. Okay. That's great. Bye -bye. Thanks very much. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to the passion business podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. So you won't miss the next one.